I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Pete Reese. I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Barry Worthington. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Well, another defeat, no winning four. Yeah, what a way to end the year. Wigan Athletic, nil, Derby County, one. Derby County, good side, but that first half, men against boys for me. Yeah, definitely. Chris C, I thought, was definitely bullied. You know, just a little shoves in the back and not being ready for it. I think if Charlie White could have uh, been available and playing, I think he'd have been a bit wiser to that with a bit of his experience. They were a decent side as well, weren't they? Best side we've seen this season, I think. Not so sure about best side we've seen this season, but I thought I certainly thought they were a very decent team. They were, yeah, taking up your men and boys point there. I thought they they looked like seasoned professionals. And one thing I noticed was they they seemed to have more physical strength, particularly in the box, than than we did. Echoes your bullying point there, Paul. I think we were just talking before the show as well. Uh, Charlie was saying about you know headers going unchallenged and so on. And but you, you look at some of the size of their players, Mendes Lang, for example. You know he's a, a real unit. Yeah, it, it was just very difficult for us to get sometimes even close to the ball. Never mind close to the the their half in that first half. I've no idea where we got fifty six percent possession from in that first half, but um, we certainly didn't do much with it. But we did have it. It was a terrible first half. Although even then, I thought we had more aggression about us and with the ball we're trying to move it faster than we've been doing in previous games so even in that first half as bad as it was we'd looked a bit better than the previous couple of games second half big improvement without really creating very much and I think that's when you look at the players we've got out at the moment like Martial Godo Asgard's just come back in obviously then you can see why we're missing creativity and 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 if we create anything, we can't finish it. Yeah, and I think it's it was always going to be a tough game. And you look at Derby now; I've got the best defense in the league. They've got goal scoring stats the same as Portsmouth. Both teams have scored thirty nine goals now. But yeah, Derby just conceded eighteen, and Portsmouth conceded nineteen. And a lot of us are waxing lyrical a lot about how Portsmouth are the best team in the league. So it was always going to be difficult. But yeah, if you're going to go through the first half and not have a single shot, let alone on target, it's always going to make it difficult for yourself. And when you do put on that second half attack, like Derby. We were probably expecting us to. We've been a lot better in the second half all season. They're just going to, they were going to defend well. And frustratingly, I thought Ryan Nyambe was brilliant, which is very annoying. Yeah, we were saying that before, weren't we? Probably, <laughs> probably better than he's ever he ever played for us. And I, I noticed with having um, I follow in close up how much the Derby players were celebrating at the end of the match. And in hindsight, it was probably the, the defenders particularly because not only they, they got an, another clean sheet to to back up those defensive stats we didn't even get a shot on target so that they've done a really really good job there when we started the game Scotty Smith made a challenge in midfield and followed by Harry McHugh and then Liam Morrison they were flying I thought I hope coming here like you said full of aggression and I think Derby said if that's how you want to play it we'll play it that way and they just stood up to us. And the, the problem were then, I'll read the team out in a minute, but the pl- problem were, it was, like I said, men against boys. And, and they, they weren't just older than us. They were more physically mature as well. So they were stronger. And it started to show. And the team, Tittleclaw, Hughes, Morrison, Sessignon, Adico, Scott Smith, 
Harry McHugh, Chris C, Cal Lang and Stevie Humphreys, who spent most of that first half stuck out on the wing, hugging the touchline. And it was left to the kids to run round and, and try and put the foot in. And it was just out-muscled for me. For me, when you talk about that challenge that Scotty Smith made, in the first few minutes, there was, there was one particular instance where he picked the ball up in midfield, a little bit of space, and what he didn't do was stop and sit and wait. He just was like on his bike, going forward, looking for something to do with it. I think it's that intent to just get forward and have a go. And I think it's that that is the difference between when we look a bit rubbish and when we look a bit useful. Because as much as we didn't have a shot on target, the last 10 minutes that we were building momentum, we were, you know, it didn't just fizzle out into a one. It could very easily come away with a point. When we're behind and we're chasing a game, that thought process, that intent is just like, I've got no option. I've got to get forward here. And it, it takes the decision-making away. And I think when that decision-making is pushed forward and not really care too much if you leave a bit of a problem at the back, I think we look a whole lot better. I think when you're trying to be safe and first and foremost, keep hold of the ball, play it backwards if you have to, go safe if you have to, let Tickle go long if we have to. I don't know, we don't look the same team at all. If you go gungo in the early stages of a game, you can find yourself 3-0 down after 20 minutes, yeah. you know, by doing that. So I understand the process of getting the ball and moving forward and there's nothing on, so they play it back. One of the problems for me on sat on uh, whatever day it was, Boxing Day, one of the problems for me, there was no movement. So you get a player picking the ball up in midfield, starting to go forward, but having to stop because there was nobody in front of him showing, nobody coming short, and there was nothing on. So the ad, I've just mentioned Humphreys hugging the touchline. With whoever was playing over on the left was hugging the touchline. There was no one through the middle, no one coming short. So they, they were a bit knackered. They had to come back. And that's probably why we picked up 56% of the possession, because we were playing it back and starting again. But if there's nothing on, there's not a lot you can do. One thing, especially in that first half, really disappointed me, and we've been doing quite a bit of recently, giving the ball away, sometimes under no pressure, and sometimes even under pressure where at other times of the season, we've, we've just not done that. Let's face it, first half. How many of the yellow cards did we get? Was it six in the first half or something? Mm-hmm. I think a large percentage of those came from where we'd lost the ball and we were trying to retrieve it and ended up fouling players in the process. I'm actually glad you brought up losing possession because this was something I just wanted to bring up. And the most a single player has given the ball away this season is Kel Watts against Leighton Orient. Gave it away 27 times. That was six games ago. 27 times in one game. Before then, Tom Pierce had given it away 25 times. That was against Carlisle earlier on in the season. And then in our last two games, there's been a player who's given the ball away 25 times against Reading and then 25 times against Derby. So in the last two games, he's given the ball 50 times away. And that is Sean Clare. And I don't want to single him out, really. It just shows that he only touched the ball 97 times. That's a quarter of the times he's touched the ball, he's given it away. And I find it very frustrating because it just shows that we're really lacking in control in the game. And I know there's an illness going through camp and everything, but that seems to be a problem all across the field because I also want to talk about a striker that's in our team who's had one (laughs) shot on target all season in 346 minutes of League One football. He's touched the ball 119 times, given it away 51 times. Where is the controller? And it's just showing that if you can't control the ball, you're going to keep giving it away, you're going to keep applying pressure on ourselves, and we're just crumbling at this point in the season. So who, I don't know striker, where the solution who's is. Who's the striker that you're talking about, I can, I can bloody tell you that striker is beat, no, no doubt. The, the 
70-odd caps for Northern Ireland, Josh McGuinness. Coming back to Sean Clare, though, I think that's really interesting because for, for, I think I said it on, on a fairly recent podcast, he's, be, he's been, up, up until recently, like one of the unsung heroes for me. Perhaps never been... Although I, I, I think maybe there was one match where he was was he was man of the match, but otherwise he's just he's he's just been a very very solid seven out of ten every match. Reminds me so much of, Ma- of Mario Melchiot in a similar position in the uh, early years in the Premier League. He's, he's never let us down. And then the last couple of matches, and you're thinking, John, John, he gives the ball away and he ends up chasing it, he ends up fouling somebody, giving away a free kick. And you think, is this the same player? And and I do think. There's a, a strong chance he might be one of the players who's carrying an illness, uh, carrying an injury, whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah. The first time we saw Sean Clare was the opening game of the season away at Derby County, and everybody was full of praise from him because yeah, he did have a very good game there. And I think these last three games, I mean, starting with Port Vale, which was the shambles at Port Vale and Reading, mm-hmm. and again against Derby, we've seen him struggling I, I think really struggling but he's, he's very brave and he, he accepts responsibility he's been on Latics yeah. website with an interview for me that's great to see and you've you got to get behind these lads because it is difficult we, we are decimated by you know injuries to key players I mean it's not just injuries to the squad men the key players when you talk about Matt Smith and Marshall Goddard talking to the Carlisle fan today he was asking me what, why did we have that slump you know not too long after we played them because we were the best football inside he'd seen in a decade in a decade yeah, the, yeah. those were his words and it was no coincidence that it's happened when Matt Smith picked up at that double earlier and then was out the team and again I don't think it's any coincidence since we've played York City and we've lost Marshall Goddard, that we've it's another slump because mm-hmm. we've lost a, a, a valuable outlet for us, a, a really good creative element to the team, and possibly the spark in the forward line, the one who makes mm-hmm. everything happen. And it mm-hmm. is difficult when you've not got any players to bring in due to our situation at the moment to, to replace these. These are special players at this level, and it's difficult. Just hope they're back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Because we don't yeah. want to carry this on too much longer, do we? Well, I think just a point to make about about young players. Um, Sean Maloney said it in his interview, I think, after the match on Boxing Day, that ideally you'd be introducing young players bit by bit when you're in a, a bit, having a bit of a good patch and they can learn from the the older players who are playing well and so on. You know, certainly on Boxing Day, we're not doing that. They're, they're being introduced into a team that certainly in positioning the table are struggling a bit in terms of the points that we should have. We're obviously some way above that. But I, I remember Graham Barrow saying the same thing to me when he was a manager in the early 90s and he inherited players like John Robertson and Greg Strong, play, you know, very young players playing in the centre of defence. And he said, it doesn't work for them. It, it, it doesn't work for the development of the player in terms of their confidence and their abilities and so on when you, when they're playing in a losing team. And of course, sometimes if you're struggling as a club, that's what you end up doing. And I think that's what's happening at the moment. You, you feel sorry then a little bit for players like Harry McHugh and Chrissy that, that they're being expected Against a team like Derby, who are, as I said before, seasoned professionals, you're expecting them to perform at the same level. It's almost impossible. You go back to our last time in administration and look at like Marion Perry, Orbe, Long, Robinson. Yeah. They've all struggled since then to, to make not only a market at Wigan Athletic, four of those have left, and one of them has, has been spent a lot of time out on loan. You know, so the, the struggling to make a American football, never mind. So it does affect the development. For me, this this particular crop uh, are super talented. 
they are super talented. Yeah. And I think they, they are going to be the longevity of the club, our team going forward. And mm. they've made great strides this season and it's been a, a pleasure to watch. But I just wish the supporters would just give them a little bit of breathing space because some of that pressure comes from the terraces as well. And I've seen comments on social media about certain players and I just think you're out of order here criticising players like this. Just a, a little anecdote on the on the side. My dad, my dad was a rugby fan. I remember him... Going to Central Park in the the eighties and coming back from a match and complaining about a player who wasn't performing and said, "I can't see him making it." You know, he's at an age now where he should, where he should be not only putting the effort in and and so on, but he should be he should be coming up with the goals. He should be a pivotal part of the team. But for me, no, nah, he's not going to do it. And the player's name was Sean Edwards. <laughs> But, but I think it just kind of sums it up that uh, we have such high expectations yeah. of young players. We expect them to perform, be performing at the at the level of players Se- ten yeah. years older than them. Season pros, which they're not, yeah. and they call season pros for a reason, aren't they? Uh, yeah. A quick run through of the stats: possession fifty five percent for Balatic. attempts with ten to Derby's twelve on target zero for the second home match in a row. Derby had four corners, six to five in our favour. I thought Johnny Smith hit a couple of really decent corners into the mix when he kicked once he was on in the second half. Fouls, 11 committed by the Latics, 13 by Derby. We picked up four yellows, Derby picked up three. An attendance of 13,601 and a way following of 3,857. The bookings were for uh, Claire Morrison, Adiko and Callum Lang. Did we only have four bookings? We only had four bookings all, all in total, yeah. I wondered where your oh. six in the first half came from. It, it seemed that way from the... I, I <laughs> there, were fouls. there was a, a, a run of play where there was about seven or eight fouls committed in the space of about 10 seconds uh, that ref didn't know who to book. Well, Paul Kendrick said at half-time, this match is not ending 11 v 11. I thought the same. I, I thought yeah. as, soon, as soon as Callum Manaman came on, he'd be off. <laughs> Yeah, he, he did have a goal, didn't he? He did. He he bounced off somebody straight away when he came on. Did you see? before we before you carry on going back to Maloney? He's had nothing to spend. Divide by the amount of money that he's wasted, nothing. Give the fella a break. He's done a bloody good job with what he's got. Subs: Johnny Smith and McManaman for Chris C and Larry McHugh at half time. Tello Asgard, welcome return to the squad and back into the team. Came on for Barbara Dico on 63 minutes. I thought he, he made an impact when he did come on. He did. Such a quality yeah. in there. Uh, Liam Shaw for Session Young on 72 minutes. And then Josh McGuinness for Callum Lang on 83 minutes. I think before we move on from this and mention the man of the match, there was one save in particular from Sam Tittle, which was <laughs> simply outstanding in that first half. And he made two or three besides that as well, but I think you know which one I'm talking about. He dove to his right and tipped it around the, around the post. What an absolute stunning save that was. Latics man of the match was voted for by our listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. In the running was Sam Tittle, but he was beaten by just two balls by Latics number 21 and the Progress with Unity Man of the Match for the Derby County game, Scott Smith. So, well done, Scotty. Uh, I think that's the second week on the on the second game on the run that he's picked mm. that accolade up. Absolutely fantastic stuff. For me, they're going up. Paul Warren knows what he's doing. They reminded me so much 
of us under Liam Richardson when we went up. Just just a unit in your way to win games. Before the game, I bumped into a couple of injured players in the supporters club. So I'll just have a listen to this. Very pleased to say that we're joined with Tom Pierce and Jason Kerr. How are you doing, lads? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Chatting to you in the supporters club. You're both not very far away. I'll start with you, Tom. Yeah, no, so I'm about three weeks away. Uh, I think the brace comes off next week and then about two, three weeks on the grass and then back, back in contention. Brilliant. And Jason? Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit a week away now. Obviously, I had a setback with my foot, broke my foot, so it's been about six, seven weeks out now, so back on the grass and hopefully back playing in after the new year. But you can't wait, can you? Yeah, I can't wait. Over a year out? 14 months it'll be after uh, when I'm back. Tom, you was in good form before you got injured? I think I've had quite a good season, so hopefully get back as quick as I can and continue that form. That cracking goals as well. Yeah. Free yeah, I've got a couple now, to be fair. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but that one in particular. Yeah, yeah outstanding. No, it, was, it was good. I mean, yeah. practice all the time. So yeah, that York City game had its toll, didn't it? Yeah, Marshall I mean, it as well. Was, yeah, it was. It was tough conditions. You know, the pitch wasn't great. It was. It was foggy, it was hard to see, so unfortunately he got injured, but it's, yeah. it's what it is. Thank you for taking a moment of your time to speak to me. Would you give our listeners a message, please? Happy New Year and have a good one. Yeah, Happy New Year. I hope you all had a good Christmas and a good Hogmanay. Hogmanay, that's the big one. That's what we want to hear. Thank you very much, guys. Yes. Thank you. Jason Kerr and Tom Pearson. I think fabulous news for Jason Kerr is going to be back in a week. I did mention to him that Hogmanay is on its way and he, and he said to me off the record, well, it might be three weeks before I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> he may well prove to come in and if he can stay fit and he can play half decent, play a pivotal role in the second half of the season, couldn't he? He's definitely going to get a chance. Could be just what we need, that. Charlie, would like to mention Josh Stones. Yeah, he's um, a player that I was a little gutted actually that he went out on loan, but it makes sense because the situation, even Maloney said it at the time, that our situation was a lot healthier than it is now and it was good to try and get him out on loan and, and give him some minutes. Obviously, our situations got drastically worse with our injuries and illness and whatnot. So it's been a little frustrating him seeing so do so well, but I am actually glad to see him do so well. He's got two goals and three assists in three games for Oldham and I believe he comes back mid-January. So I think he should be all firing, which will be good. Doing really well and the Oldham fans are so taken to him yeah they really like him they all they all want him to stay and they're all saying like we'll keep him till the end of the season but no no can do he's coming back <laughs> big game on uh, on Friday evening 7 o'clock kickoff facing Carlisle United coming down the M6 and in the build up to game I spoke with a, a a really good guy, the very likeable Lee Rooney, currently living and working in Liverpool, and he's from the Brunton Budel podcast. So give them a listen for the preview of the big match. But let's have a little listen to what Lee had to say. Back at the DW Stadium on Friday, Friday evening, 7 pm kickoff with Carlisle United in town. First time, first time they've been in Wigan for a, a league game this century. They're joined by Lee Rooney from the Brunton Budel, who can confirm or deny that allegation of we've not met this century at home. I'm trying to think. I think it would be the 97-98 season probably, and that was just before you moved to the, the what was the JJB and now the DW Stadium. So yeah, we've never been. And for me, I'm very excited because I, I only live down the road in Liverpool, so, and I've been here for, what, a decade now. Every time there's a free weekend and there's not, I'm not going to the Carlisle game, I'm always like, oh, I could go and take off Wiggins' ground. I was like, no, I'm going to wait until Carlisle played there. And I've had to wait a hell of a long time, I think it's fair to say. More, more to do with our performances more than anything, but we're, we're finally there. And yeah, I think a lot of our fans have been really looking forward to this one. It, like I say, it's just a shame it's on a Friday night over Christmas, really. But you get what you take, don't you, So Yeah. 
Can't lie, there's always going to be a big game. Rivalry going back to the 1990s, especially mid to late 90s, mm. uh, which you talked about there. Uh, we seem to be uh, chasing promotion from the bottom division together uh, on a couple of occasions. And there was always tasty games. Yeah, they were. I mean, that's when I started following Carlisle. So for me, it's, I remember those games have been really good good matches. And it's kind of felt weird. Obviously, you guys, as soon as the money came in from Dave Whelan, you were off. Football goes in phases, doesn't it? And it's sort of balanced out now. I think you guys are sort of settling into League One. I'm sure you'd probably rather be in the Championship like we would. But yeah, it's it's... Our fans are really looking forward to this one, I think. It, it's been one that, I, like I said, all, all... That and Bolton were the two I think we were looking forward to because we... we we played Bolton a couple of years ago when they came down to League Two, but we couldn't go to Bolton because it was during the COVID season. So, you know, we took 4,400 to Bolton. We won three on there. I'm pretty sure our fans would be delighted with a similar result, but I, I have a funny feeling that won't be happening because our farms dropped off a cliff, to say the least, since then. But but yeah, I'm, I'm just having a look there, the head-to-heads between the two sides back then. I mean, yeah, we had a fairly decent record against you guys, didn't we? I think. I mean, there was four wins in a row during the sort of mid nineties. Uh, I think we, just, we kept playing on you on the opening day of the season on the FA Cup, wasn't it? Three seasons in a row we played against you, but you won all three of those. So our older fans will remember Springfield uh, Park very well. The younger fans will be very excited to to get to the DW. Lee, don't mention the FA Cup and Cal Allen Wigan Athletic because even though all the shot nearly spoiled our record, we still all the record of the of the record <laughs> victory. Uh, of a non-league side yes. over a league side 6-1. And it didn't even occur to me the fact that Swindon nearly, Aldershot nearly broke that. Because oh, I, 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 that day I was, at, um, I'd gone to watch Prescott Cables playing against Widness, I think. So I was kind of following, I was like, well, this is a bit of a, a mental one, isn't it? Swindon getting battered. And it never even occurred to me, oh, they could have taken that record off us. Oh, thanks very much, Swindon, for actually scoring some goals that day. But, <laughs> but yeah, first time we met, wasn't it? And actually, when you look at it, we haven't actually played each other that many times in history. This is only going to be the 19th meeting of the two teams. But it which feels is crazy more. when you think, yeah, it feels like it's a lot more, but it was just that 90s was quite intense, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And uh, uh, this must be... Something to do with the time of year. I mean, what we're doing here, we're reminiscing as you, as you do when you get mm. to New Year, don't you? It's nice to reminisce, but we've got to focus on the present because we're both mm. at the wrong end of the table. You find yourself sitting bottom at the moment. When we played at your place, first half, I felt we could have been three up. And then in the second half, he came at us a little bit. You didn't look a bad side, if I'm being honest with you. Moxon had a good game that mm. evening. So what's happened since then? How come you find yourself at the bottom of the table? After that game... Every one of us came out with saying we were delighted with a point because we genuinely thought Wigan were the best football side we played in probably about a decade. This first half, you were cut above and we didn't really play badly. You were just so on top. And then second half, we just made it into a fight, essentially, I think, and got our way, our way through it. And I think we were still running a little bit on the adrenaline of last season at that point. And the problem is we weren't really able to strengthen that well in the August window. Last season, our budget was a bottom six budget. In D2. So we got promoted on a bottom six budget, which is an incredible achievement. That budget, I think, went up 25%, I think they said, or maybe even 50, I can't remember, on promotion. And yet we were still a bottom six budget in League, in league One. So that, that that's where the issue was. We, we just didn't have the money to, to spend on bringing those players in. So that the quality of play we brought in, Sam Lavelle's the only one who's really made an impact, if we're being brutally honest, in terms of the, the signings we made in the summer. So we're relying on the players who got us up and... Again, that adrenaline sort of run out and a few of them have shown they're probably not quite up to it. Our squad has been hit by injuries badly again this season, like we were last season. Last season, we got away with it because it was mainly, it was the odd first starter, but it was mostly squad players. So we were just packing the bench with a couple of youth team players. Whereas this season, it's starters that are out. I mean, Callum Guy getting injured, 
huge, huge blow to us. He's such a, a a big, big player. He he basically he sits there and he sort of screens the back four essentially in midfield and he, he covers. And I think a lot of our fans really appreciate what a big player he is for us. And he did his ACL against Leighton Orient in the FA Cup, unfortunately, at the start of October, well, end of October, start of November. And we haven't really got a like for like replacement for him in the squad. Dylan McGeek's coming and done okay, but he's not the same sort of player. So we haven't got to grips in the midfield in some games and we look weak up front. We haven't really had the attacking options. But there is a sort of positive feeling around the club because you may know we've been taken over. I don't think that it even come out when we played you guys. I don't think even the rumours had... I think it was a, the next home game, actually, that just before it, we found out that there was an American family interested in buying us and they actually attended that game and they wanted to take over in time for the August window. But there was set various things that held up the, the problem with the club's debts, which they had to resolve by buying those debts instead of... Basically, they, were going, they wanted to try and agree some sort of payment to pay less of it. But another interested party came in for the club and they said they would pay it all. So essentially they had no choice but to pay it all as well, which is frustrating. Essentially, they've come in, they've paid that off and already the difference they're making on the ground is incredible. And we've signed Luke Armstrong from Harrogate in time for January. So we've, by all accounts, paid about a quarter of a million pounds for him, which is nearly double our transfer record already. So basically, they're determined to keep us in the division. They know we need two or three more players to come in in January at the very least. Simo wants about six or seven and I wouldn't be surprised if we got them, to be fair. It's kind of one of these things. I think the hope was we'd be able to get a couple of decent players in in August. We weren't really able to. So come... January, you'll see a difference there. And I think you'll, you hopefully you'll see us start to move up the table a little bit. But the problem is we're not really, up until recently, we've not really been battered by anyone. That We've got beaten 5-1 by Reading. And yet the stats show the game was quite equal. We just made five, like three or four really bad defensive mistakes in that game. Blackpool's the only team that really dominated us recently. And the conditions that day were appalling. We, we just did not cope with it at all. And yeah, it's just kind of frustrating little things. And in the last three games before Fleetwood, three goalkeeping errors cost us. Poor Thomas Oli, he's getting some real stick and he was brilliant for us last season. 20 clean sheets. I don't know if we've kept a clean sheet this season in the league. I can't even remember. But yeah, he's really, really struggled last few games and it got to the point where Simo dropped him at Fleetwood and we put a 19-year-old making his league debut in goals for him. And Simo had been reluctant to use him for so long and he actually had a good game to play, Gabe Brees, who came in. Bit of a long-winded answer there, but it's essentially we, we weren't really able to get the quality we wanted in to keep, make ourselves a good League One club in the summer. But now we are in a position where we can do that and we're, we're probably going to be buying some real quality that should hopefully push us up the table a little bit. You're looking forward to the second half of the season then. Well, whichever way it goes, it's going to be exciting for you, isn't it? You know, oh, if, yeah, you, yeah. If, you, if you're stuck in a battle, that'll be exciting. And if you manage to climb up the table. Is Paul Simpson the guy to, to lead from the front? Is he the manager? He, you know, other fans behind him. There's always going to be one or two people, aren't there? Who say, "Oh, you know." I mean, a lot. Some fans are saying, "Look, any other manager at this point would be getting, you know, potentially getting sacked, would be getting stick or whatever." But he isn't any other manager, and you have to accept he's not any other manager. He is. He's done incredible things with this club. He's earned a lot of credit as a result of that, and he deserves to be able to use that bit of that credit. He's a local lad. He gets the club, and you don't get opportunities very often to get someone like that in charge of your club. And you shouldn't just throw that away based on a, a you know a run of poor form for me. I think you, you, you we've got to look at the lot as a club. We've for the last fifteen years we've been running a bit of a shoestring, and we've we've done okay at, at times, and that we've struggled at times. We've done okay at times, and we've had a brilliant season last season. We're now at the point where we are. We've got a man in charge. He really gets it. We've got owners who are going to invest in it. Give them time to do something because they they're already talking about building a twenty acre training ground and things like that, and they seem very serious. Like they've already put money into all kinds of things for the club, so it's an exciting time. He's the right man for the job. I don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Basically, is what I'm thinking. You know, he he give him a bit of time to do it. Undoubtedly, he's made mistakes. I think he made mistakes against Fleetwood with his subs. To be honest, late on that 
meant we didn't we lost a bit of the grip of the game in that game. I, I don't think he handled the holy goalkeeper situation really very well. But you know, he's not in, he's not infallible. But at the same time, I still think he's one hundred percent the right man. And I think if you asked ninety nine point nine percent of the fans would agree. They'd say yeah, give the man time to actually bring the players, and he wants to bring on the budget that he's he's always wanted. Looking ahead to Friday then, uh, how do you see the game going? Can you give us a prediction on the scoreline, Lee, please? In the game just before Christmas against Cheltenham, we were absolutely appalling, like absolutely dreadful. We, we The players looked devoid of confidence. You know, their goal came, I, mean, I don't know if you've seen the goal, I mentioned there was a goalkeeper error. It was just an absolute howler. Hurley tries to keep a ball in that's going for a corner, but instead of catching it, he palms it straight back to one of their players. He plays it across goal to an empty goal where one of their players puts it in the net. It's just one of those ones where that's happened to your keeper, you know your luck's out. And we were, yeah, we we barely threatened their keeper as well that game, which is what made it even worse. And Simmer was rightly fuming after that. The performance of the game at Fleetwood was much better, much more intensity. It made a few changes. It made a difference. Young Gay Breeze, as I mentioned, came in and, you know, he's very highly thought of the club, but he's never, like I said, he's never played a first team game for us. He's only had two games on loan at Witness, I think it was. So it was a big ask for him to come in, but he was well protected by his defence, to be fair. I suspect he's going to have a much tougher test in this game on Friday night. And if you guys have done your homework and, and put you know put balls into the box and just test him, maybe you never know. Fleetwood didn't really do that. Their goal, he didn't really have any chance with. But beyond that, he was pretty comfortable with the game he had. Their keeper was much more tested than he was. So that that'll be interesting to see what you do with that. Interesting to see whether he makes any other changes. Ryan Edmonton came in for Joe Garner, Fleetwood, and had a really good game. He's, he's been a bit out on the cold this season, but Summer seems to be giving him a little bit of a chance now. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think we're likely to sit in there, invite a little bit of pressure on, and just try and hit you on the break, basically. Balls over the top. Edmondson, even though he's, what, six foot three, six foot four, he's a quick lad. He's got a, a good bit of pace about him, so he can get in behind. But the only change I'm, you might see is maybe Jordan Gibson coming for Sean Maguire, although... Simo said he wasn't that impressed with Gibson's performance off the bench against Fleetwood, so maybe he will stick with just the same 11. Prediction-wise, I've been getting a bit of stick from some opposition fans recently. They've been listening to our pod saying, oh, you predicted 2-0 or 3-0 against us, blah, blah, blah. I was like, we always predict a win. Like, I don't think we've ever predicted a single defeat. I'm going to go for a draw with this one, though. I'm going to I'm going to be a bit more cautious. I think a 1-1 draw, hopefully a good entertaining game with a good atmosphere. 1-1 draw. Joe Garner in the 89th minute. It's got to be, hasn't it? And he and he's going to milk it big time. So, there you go. 1-1 draw. Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's hope it's not going <laughs> anyway. Cheers for that, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had quite a few opposition fans coming on saying we're going to stuff them and uh, we've ended up getting beat. So, it makes a refreshing change for somebody to to give a positive uh, scoreline. So I'm quite optimistic now you can make that one. So thank you very much for that. Cheers, uh, <laughs> no Lee. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Exciting times ahead. Whatever happens at Carlisle over the coming months, mm. and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the ride. Thank you once again and all the best for 2024. Cheers. Yeah, I didn't realise it was so long since we actually played or hosted Carlisle at our place in December 28th, 1997. I would, I'd just turned two years old and we lost 2 0 to them. So from our last game with them at Brunton Park, uh, that was a 1-1, obviously, back then. And Carlisle have lost three big players for them. Centre-back Huntington, right-back Ellis, who I think is uh, 20 years old. Um, played a lot for them in League Two, but he's been out with an injury. And then Guy, like the Lee was talking about, he's been out with an ACL injury since October. And the goalkeeper, Holy, as well, he's been benched for a few games because it wasn't going so well for him, but... Carlisle are currently bottom of the League One table. Three wins, eight draws and 12 losses. 17 points from 23 games. They've picked up just six away on the on the road. 
and only Redden have done worse than them on the road because they've only got five points compared to the six. But overall, Carlisle has scored 18, which isn't the lowest in the league by any stretch, but they've conceded 33, so they're really, really struggling. And they don't have a win in the league since October 24th, which was a 2-1 victory over Burton, thanks to a Joe Garner winner in the 88th minute. With the last five league results, two draws against Fleetwood and Northampton and three losses against Cheltenham and Blackpool and that 5-1 battering against Redden. But top attacking players, I'm going to go Jordan Gibson, who's a player I really want at Wigan. I think he's fantastic. He's got five goals and one assist. Owen Moxon, again, somebody I think I would really like in our midfield, pretty much their main man. And he's got three goals and three assists. And then I'm going to go Jack Armour, left back, one goal, one assist in his last six games. And he's usually on the winning side of all his duels. So he's going to be a difficult one for us. And we've also got two former Latics players, Joe Garner, who we know will come on late in the game and try and punch a few players. And and Corey Whelan. You just really fear, don't you? But that, you know, the, the well-known charitable institution that is Wigan Athletic, and you hear all those desperately pathetic uh, stats from Carlisle, not once since God. And you just think, oh God, we're just it, we're just going to be in the Christmas spirit, aren't we? And we're just going to say, come on, well, let's feel sorry for Carlisle and give him a win. I think though they've got a wave of positivity running through the club, despite the fact that they're at the bottom. They've just been taken over with this yeah. American group, and they're plowing a bit of money in. And there's all sorts of rumours flying about, including Charlie White. Now, I don't mm. know if there's any mileage in that or not, but there is a lot of rumours flying about. about... Just to see if he plays, won't it? Just a comment on 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 the uh, on the conversation that you had there. It, it feels like there's an awful lot going on there at Carlisle on and off the pitch. And while off the field there's a lot of positivity, on the field there isn't. One thing that comes across quite clearly, I think, is that is there th- how much they're looking forward to coming to Wigan. So I don't know how, what, how that translates into ticket sales and, and so on. But I think there's probably going to be a, quite a few Cumbrians who are going to be up for the match and in a good mood and, and, and all the rest of it. So it could be good atmosphere at the very least. Right, we'll have a ref watch. The referee is a fellow from Blackburn, Mr Ben Toner who, following three seasons at a National League level, he was promoted to the National List of Referees in the summer of 2015. Ben Toner has refereed the Latics on five occasions in the past. The last time was crew away in March of 2022, when goals, a rarity from Josh McGuinness and one of many from Will Keane, strengthened our grip on the League One top spot with a 2-0 win. His card watch, 17 games, 84 yellows, one red and six penalties. And that's Ben Toner, who will referee the visit of Carlisle on Friday. As Lee said, it seems strange that we've only played Carlisle uh, 18 times in total because, yeah, as around the 1990s, as quite a lot of us remember, there was quite a bit of rivalry built up, especially when we were in the old, the, the fourth tier, um, and we were scrapping away at the top with them. In, in more ways than one, it has to be said at times. We've got the edge in those uh, 18 games. We've won 10, only drawn one match and lost seven. And that one draw, of course, came this season away at Brunton Park, where certainly for the first half, we looked as though we were going to absolutely batter them. Um, but they came back into the game in the second half and looked a half-decent team. In Wigan, we, la- we last met Carlisle on the 28th of December 1997. So it is going to be 26 years and one day since we last uh, hosted them here. And we lost that game 2-0, unfortunately. Carlisle were bottom and we were 16th of that that division. 
which was a bit of a reverse of the uh, season before when we were both battling with each other to uh, get to the top of the, the third division. And a match that Warren Aspinall played, uh, who was our top scorer um, once upon a time. And a Wigan lad. So let's have some predictions. I'm going to go for us to get our show back on the road. I've got a feeling that we might see Marshall Goddard at some stage in this game. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Latics win. My, my jaws just dropped at the mention of Marshall Goddard. I don't know where you get that from. Feeling, just a feeling. But, all right, fair enough. Guessing. Um, well, if that is true, which I was not aware of, then I'll go the same. I'll go the same. But otherwise, I'm just he's sitting there shaking my head thinking, we're just going to you know, continue in our tradition of taking pity on teams who are going through a bad, bad time. So uh, um, we'll probably end up losing 1-0 or something. A win for Carlisle would put them just three points off us and after going through all the bad stats before, that, that's not something I really want us to, to get to. It would also mean that we're four games losing streak and it'd be the same losing streak that we had last time. So if that's not an incentive to do better, I don't know what is. But yeah, I think Chris Z needs to come on in the second half and not get bullied. And uh, I think that he's going to be a real key player for us. So I'm going to say a Chris Z brace and I'm going to go with a 3-1 win for Wigan. I think Sean Maloney is going to become even more dizzy. He's already dizzy enough with fans saying he's a brilliant manager who's doing wonders on a budget. And then the week after, he's absolutely clueless and doesn't deserve to be there. And I think after we put 3-0 past Carlisle, it'll be brilliant again. We'll be back on Sunday with all the reaction to the Carlisle game and a preview of Barnsley on New Year's Day. So until then, it's up the ticks and come on. Go up on. the ticks. Up the ticks. Up the ticks.